welcome to another episode of Saying the Tone in ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today, we'll be discussing Season 10, Episode 14, which is titled Impulse Control. The episode aired on February 12, 2004. Lauren was born that week 20 years ago. Famed rapper and man who simply doesn't know when to shut the fuck up, Kanye West releases his first full album, The College Dropout. The album would go on to sell 3.4 million copies in the U.S. and included the singles Through the Wire, Slow Jams, All Falls Down, Jesus Walks, and The New Workout Plan. Barbershop 2, Back in Business, the comedy sequel starring Ice Cube and Cedric the Entertainer, debuts and beats out fellow newcomer Miracle for the top box office spot. And hey, y'all. Dan- Daniel, you made a face. I just, what a, like, liminal space of a cinema weekend that is. Like, yep. Barbershop 2 and Miracle. Like, it's just, man, it's they, they can't all be winners, I guess. But uh, it, I have a weird, like, I'm not, I swear to God I'm not going to do a tangent on fucking Miracle. But there, there, it, it, that does have a St. Paul connection in that the guy, who, the Kurt Russell character in that movie, uh is or was from minnesota and there's like a there's a whole statue to him in our park like right up the block and we'll have to see it when we visit yep it's a whole it's a whole thing and hey ya by outcast is the number one song for its final week daniel what else was on at 8 p.m friends with the episode the one with phoebe's wedding uh i'm just now kind of starting to conceptualize the fact that we are coming down the home stretch of friends like yep we're, we have like three months left of friends and then it's done forever. Uh, pretty crazy to think about. Uh, at 9 p.m., The Apprentice with the episode Tit for Tat. The less said about that, the better. Mm. Uh, directed by uh, This episode was directed by Jonathan Kaplan doing his 33rd out of 40. Previous ones of his from this season include Missing, Out of Africa, and Now What? And written by Yalin Chang doing her third out of five. And last time we saw her was last season with uh, A Boy Falling Out of the Sky. Uh, and we got no Chen and no Corday this week. I, has Chen bit like? <laughs> I think it was like he's in China canonically. I, I know, but like I'm, I, I want to say it's like two episodes max we've had her in this season. Like, yeah, she has it's been, been gone. minimal. She's been gone for quite a while, which I feel like I I know I've uh, read about this, and I've, I know it's been discussed. I think in our Discord, but probably elsewhere as well. If I remember correctly, this uh, sabbatical of hers here is because she's off managing a boy band that her and her, something like that, yeah. Her and her husband are involved with uh, some like uh, K-pop kind of thing, like that they were like managing a boy band, and that what had, can't that woman do, right? And I also um, he's Age. not li- he's not listed as credit only, but I swear to God, I watched this episode and I don't remember seeing him. Is Galat in this episode at all? Like I don't remember. I don't, I don't think re- so. I don't remember seeing him. He's not listed as credit only, but I don't remember seeing him. So you might throw him into that list as well. With that being said, we've got our previously on by Carter, and we open with Alex complaining about going to dinner at his friend's place because they always pray before they eat. He's going over there for a sleepover. Apparently the mom's a chef, makes really good food. Uh, I love that Sam says, like, think about baseball. Think about dinosaurs. I don't care, but just sit there and be quiet while they pray. Um, And Alex is like, are you going to go see Luca? And she's like, I don't know, kid. You have fun at your sleepover. Okay, bye. (laughs) Um, And then we go into the ER. Man is screaming about how he's dying as Abby is giving Carrie a summary of her rounds. And she she mentioned something about a 14-year-old with a sprained ankle, and 
Carrie says, you're a med student. I don't want to hear history on Remarkable. Go take sexual history from this kid. And I want to note, this is a great episode of Abby getting mixed directions from her mm-hmm. supervisors. Carrie's like, for once, get all the information you can. Pratt's telling her, uh, treat him and treat him. So yeah. this is a very interesting uh, play this episode on how this comes into into fruition. And I, for one, would be very confused if someone started asking me, asking me about my sexual history if I tripped on a curb and sprained my and ankle. And had a sore ankle. <laughs> Just, hey, you fucking? <laughs> I, hope they phrase I? It, I hope they phrase it exactly like that, too. Uh, and we have an HR consultant coming down to con- to do some consult work on how to have a happier workplace. Uh, risk management sent him as part of the settlement for a Romano lawsuit uh, about hostile work environments. And Sam yells at Morris for spraying ketchup all over our charts and then saves him from choking on fries, much to this guy's uh, horror. Hor- he's horrified this whole fucking episode. Uh, to be fair, Morris is being a fucking jackass here. A little bit, yeah. It, it just reminds me how early we are in that sort of uh, period with with uh, Morris that, like, he's... They haven't even reached the point yet where they'll, they'll throw, like, the tiniest little bone in his direction of, of character growth. He really is just, like, the comic relief side gag uh, at this point. Like, he's he's a glorified Jerry at this point. Yep. Um, he's, a, he's a Jerry with a medical license. Right, yeah, he's Dr. Jerry. Ugh. Uh <laughs> And the uh, HR guy here, Arnie, uh, is played by actor Richard Klein, who appeared in stuff like Three's Company, Beverly Hills Ninja, and the regrettable 2007 uh, classic. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Fucking one of the worst movies I've ever seen. One of the movies of all time. Uh, and that takes us right into the intro. We are in with bangs, uh, and as we were just alluding to, we're, we're still very early in the Scott Grimes uh, era of the show. He's still not in the credits. I, be- I don't think he gets added in until next season, if I remember correctly. Probably not. I don't know. We're uh, keep- I'm keeping an eye on it. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he was a mid-season addition. I feel... I mean, because like Gal- he has a huge storyline coming up in a couple episodes. Gallant... Gallant leaving, I feel like, is what opens up a spot for him to join, and that doesn't happen until late this season. But we'll we'll get there when we get there. Uh, we come out of the intro to Kem getting dressed in front of a roaring fireplace, uh, at least, you know, socks and a shawl, as you do. Uh, tiptoes out of their room, uh, looking around the mansion for Carter, and finds him in the kitchen uh, making breakfast. And uh, she asks about the uh, maid whose name escapes me. Uh, but he Emily Emily yes and he says that he gave her the day off in the shadow realm because uh, she won't be returning uh, and I think uh, actually Daniel I think you mean in the unemployment line by the end of this episode well yeah uh, <laughs> and uh, Carter says that if we show up without resigning Weaver thinks it's a good day and Carter has a to-do list of everything he wants to show Kim in Chicago uh, including going to the Art Institute, which I'm assuming Lauren here based on. Uh, that was absolutely me. Uh, yeah. That would take the whole fucking day. That place is huge. Um, I've been there several times, and I still haven't seen all of it. Also, bef- before we go into the episode further, I want to note the previously on mention, Car- it's Carter mentioned something about like sliding around in their socks. It's like a flashback to that discussion. And then mm. we came out here with Carter tiptoeing out in socks, and I was like, oh my god, do they have her fall? 
Do they have mm. her fall and like hurt herself? Because I didn't remember what the fuck the episode was. So I was like, that's really um, that's a really weird mention for then nothing happening relating to like, oh, we're gonna have you sliding around here in no time. Like, yeah, no. such no, an odd no- uh, ch- choice of words. Sorry, go ahead. N- no, but when I say I hate Carter and Kim, like, it's be- uh, because they're soap opera bullshit nonsense. It's this episode. We'll get there. This episode, my God, we we will get there. Is unbearable uh but abby asked susan did, if she would do a sexual history on a 14 year old with a twisted ankle and complains about how condescending carrie was uh morris grabs susan's stomach and just uh, says oh look how big you're getting mm. i would smack that man straight across his face i would send him to the shower room along with the maid slap the red out of his hair exactly uh frank asks if she's getting married or if the kid's gonna be a bastard because you know <laughs> he's frank <laughs> Uh, Susan takes Abby to help her with a dislocated shoulder, and Abby asks, what actually is going on with Chuck? And HR asks Susan how often she has unsolicited physical contact. Oh, Susan. Yeah. Then we see Sam call Abby over to a guy with an injured knee who's demanding pain medicine. Uh, This is Miguel Rivera, I think is his last name. He, uh, He fell off a ladder, is very cagey about treatment, just wants his pain meds and to get out of here. And he's like, God, how many blonde bimbos are in this hospital? And Sam's like, at least two, but this one can treat you. Are you ever just the worst person ever? Right, right about here. Like this guy? Rude. Uh, and Miguel here is played by actor F.J. Rio, who appears in stuff like Prison Break, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and The Shield. Not the Roman Reigns one. The, <laughs> my, my, the Michael Chiklis one. It still fucks me up that, uh, Lizzie, correct me if I'm wrong, that Moxley was part of The Shield. Yep. That's, he was Dean, known as Dean Ambrose in WWE that up, and was absolutely part of the Shield. That upsets me so much. Anyway, uh, then we go over to Carter. And, uh, this upsets me more. Let's just keep talking about uh, the Shield and wrestling. Anyway, uh, Carter and Kem are ice skating in Grant Park. That uh, park used to be right out, right out the window of one of my old offices, and I miss that view so much. But the beard is gone. Carter shaved. Woohoo? Question mark. I know this is a divisive thing, but the beard Whatever. is gone. Um, and Carter mentions that when he was younger, they'd skate at a different park on the other side of Grant Park, where his grandpa would rent him and his brother and their friends an entire rink. Which, neat, cool. Oh, white privilege. Is this the same, is this the same, you know, canonically the same area that uh, Susan and Mark would have gone? uh, No, I think this was, this looked like it was more close to Millennium Park, where they had Susan and Mark, I think it was a little further south where they were skating. They gotcha. might they might have been skating at the park that Carter's talking about. Mm-hmm. If I'm like just kind of loosely piecing together where in the skyline they are, I don't remember at all. But I, this does look like the current places around Millennium yeah, Park. Yeah, the the only reason I would even remotely remember is because I'm so intimately familiar with that stretch of Michigan Avenue from going to college there mm-hmm. that it's just like oh I know exactly where they are. I feel like um, I feel like if I remember correctly, there was at some point I was doing research on filming locations and i want to say i can't remember if it was where susan and mark were were ice skating or i think there's a point where benton goes ice skating with somebody and one of those uh rinks they said had since been turned into like a softball field or something like yeah that's 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 the southern one then because there there are no rinks down there anymore and there's a bunch of um uh softball fields and stuff there's just Lollapalooza and nascar and the site of the marathon where I had my first seizure was right down in that area by uh, 
by where that old skate rink was. All right, was. moving on. Just saying, like, it's a lot of happy memories down there. Um, uh, And let's just keep it going. Uh, Neil is doing a pelvic exam on a girl while Luca observes. She had some unexpected bleeding. This is our unfortunate patient of the episode, Layla. Um, Neela notes that there's vaginal tearing and uh, abrasions. And um, Luca asks if anyone's forced themselves on her. And she's like, no, I'm in, I'm, it's just my fiance, Dean. And she's 16. Dean is in college. Guys, mm. this only gets worse from here. This isn't the worst part yeah. of this episode. Uh, it yeah. only gets more unfortunate. He gets carried away sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I hate, Which... I hate that. So let, let, we'll get the, the, the credits out of yes. the way here. Layla is played by actress Reagan Wallace, who appears in stuff like Malcolm in the Middle Forever and That's So Raven. Uh, I made it sound like Malcolm in the Middle Forever was a completely different show. <laughs> like, that's, that's two distinct shows, Malcolm in the Middle and the Forever. Um, but uh, we were talking about this off mic that like this storyline in this episode is almost a one-for-one copy and paste of a Carol storyline from... I'm going to say season one, maybe two at the latest. It does feel very, very early season. Like this is so on the note. Like I bet if you went back and, and watched that episode, the, if I could find which episode it was in, like the similarities would be just uncanny. Um, and I mean, it's not, I'm not accusing or, or not saying that they just wholesale reused the storyline, but like they, they didn't go out of their way to like find a new angle on this. Like this is, kind of similar to the original storyline uh, that I'm thinking of. This one's just upsetting for the sake of being upsetting and nobody really learns very much in the way of a lesson. It's just kind of trauma porny. And uh, it was, but it was interesting how well both Lauren and I remembered. We both kind of had a deja vu moment of watching this and being like, didn't we do this already? Like, didn't like, I know this one is very specific and unique and like this was the one I was remembering, but also I know you're right that there was that previous one that was very similar, but this one I was like, maybe it's because it stuck out so much to me when Lizzie and I watched the first time through. We know I've had episode Deja Vu before where it's things we haven't talked about yet. So this was one where I was specifically remembering this episode, but it's probably because again, previous similarities. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I hate this episode. Go on. Uh, speaking of trauma porn, let's go to our first major trauma here. Uh, Gus Loomer, 50, had a loss of consciousness and plowed into his Hummer into two oncoming cars. And he wants those pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> he was in a hurry to get pictures of Spider-Man on his desk. Liz- Lizzie and I both actually had the oh hey reaction when he got put on the table. I need you to know that. The, the authentic <laughs> hey! It did happen. We, it- we, we love a pure black tar. Uh, uh, oh hey, it's oh, that hey, guy. It's that guy reaction. Uh, yes, Mr. Loomer here, played by the seminal Oh Hey, It's Woo! That Guy. Like, the the king shit of fuck mountain of Oh Hey, It's That Guys. Uh, <laughs> I love him. Uh, J.K. Simmons, uh, who is uh, known for so many different things, all of which he's good in. Uh, Spider-Man as J. Jonah Jameson, Juno, uh, La La Land. Uh, I'm thinking of his uh, little small role in I Love You, Man, which... Uh, Whiplash. Yes. I he was fantastic. I love him so d- much. He did a great voice work for Portal, too. If you want to see him be a fucking monster, like, if you want to see him be just, like, the most evil dude on the planet, check out Oz. Like, check out his his run on Oz, Ugh. where he plays a white supremacist. <gasps> it's, oh, no. no. It's intense. Like, J.K. Simmons is... 
J. Jonah Jameson, no. He has just the most incredible amount of range. I'm mm-hmm. so glad that there's, you know, very little of the last five years, uh, five to six years that's been really great. But, uh, <laughs> like, one of the things that is great is that J.K. Simmons has finally started getting his flowers. Like, people have finally, yeah. finally yeah. started coming around on this guy's not just a good character actor. He's just a good fucking actor. He was yeah. really, he was really good in a burn after reading too. Yeah. He was, he like was you, really fun in you, that. You could go down. You can just say he was in something and you can just, that's very fair. Yes. Like I said, you, you can go down his IMDB and just get lost because he has a total of 226 credits to his name. Uh, and uh, that far and away makes him the high watermark actor of this episode. Love me some J.K. Simmons. Yes. It's one, it's one of my favorite things about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that they actually brought him back to play J. Jonah Jameson, J. Jonah Jameson in the new Spider-Man you, movies. When you get it right the first time, you know. Don't you, fuck it up. Don't Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And then he's basically Alex Jones. Yep. This, I love it. I love it so much. Uh, but he blacked out. Uh, he had a heart attack two years ago, so he has a cardiac monitor on him. And Can I, this is says, gonna this is gonna count for it. They've just wheeled him out. In this is my version of whose films are those. They wouldn't have had those films that fast. They're passing his films over his body right after they've wheeled him in. They didn't even bring the fucking X-ray in yet. Those films aren't his. That's my line this episode. This is bullshit. Carry on. <laughs> Uh, but he, of course, you know, he's driving a Hummer. He asks how his car is, obviously. So I, lo- I, lo- pretty I nice, love yeah. how quaintly 2004 this guy is, too. Like, being obsessed with his Hummer. That is, just, that's, I, I'm just I'm picturing that car and when it was the new hotness for douchebags the world over. And I love, I just finished watching Better Call Saul all the way through, and I love the side story in the early seasons of Mike of the energy vampire guy doing yes. the, yeah, Mike do, Mike the, doing security work for the nerdy dude who's uh, selling pills on the side and he drives a bright yellow Hummer with fucking uh. flames on it and and that show takes place in that part of the show takes place in 2004 so I mean it's just so like on the nose as a perfect, of the moment of the moment pop cultural reference uh, but yes yeah, so I was car is and we see a little boy covered in blood through the trauma door and he just he just rolls back over and says, good day to be driving a Hummer. Damn shame. He doesn't realize he's hit people. Yeah, he has no fucking clue what's going on. Because he was unconscious at the scene. Oof. <sighs> now I have the fucking farmer's insurance jingle stuck in my head from J.K. Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, yeah, uh, so we then go from there. We see the mother of the family that was hit by J.K. Simmons, Kathy Shepard. Uh, she's brought in with her husband and son. Uh, their daughter was also injured but hasn't been brought in here. It seems she was taken to another hospital. At least we'll find that out in a bit. Uh, her name is Kathy, and she is played by actress uh, Marin Hinkle, who uh, appeared in stuff like uh, The Marvelous Miss Maisel alongside fellow ER alum Eric Palladino, Two and a Half Men, and Once and Again. Uh, we find uh, we check on her her son in trauma, uh, one of the trauma rooms, and uh, learn he has been scalped. And they ah. spare <laughs> they spare no detail with the camera work, showing you just how fucked up. You see that little boy's skull. Right? See how just ah. exquisitely how fucked up he is. Uh, and uh, we then go from there. <laughs> I almost wish we stayed with the scalping. Uh, to Carter. Hey. Carter and Kim walking around uh, showing off uh, old mansions. Mansions. <laughs> is that the. It, they're just. 
They're just townhomes, aren't they? That, but they're in that section where it was like they could easily be some of the like the mansions downtown. Like think about in like Lincoln Park or like the Gold Coast or whatever those huge yeah. ones right next. Think about the one that we snuck into the open house for next to uh, Lux Bar. How that was like an eight bedroom, four fireplace. Whatever you, it was, you guys did that. Oh, you weren't with that. us. That's right. Mom, no. mom took a took our German exchange student and we went in because there was an open house right next door to where we I got mean, breakfast. Hell, I'd go. If it I was, was right there, I'd go. It was insane. So yeah, I think it was in one of like those townhomes where they're like the old because he says this is the street where the old like railroad barons built their homes when they you know started to come closer to the city i will have the, so i will have the listeners at home know that lauren has put this in the notes as mancy's which is a great mancy's and i just which is a great great and my uh, thing is my term. my thing is trying and to the, cl- collect it to mancy's i would say are your mancy's synced lauren i don't know i sure i want a mancy to sync with god <laughs> You I, know what? I'm doing my best, okay? I thought Mancy's... You, t- you type them. I thought Mancy's was just when I was bitchy for no reason at the uh, end of the month. <laughs> but uh, we've... Carter Carter mentions that he wants to buy one of them. Oh, wait! He did the grand romantic gesture thing and already bought one. He did a, he did a light Jim Halpert. Uh... <laughs> And Kem is like, well, what about your grandmother's castle? And he's like, ah, fuck it. We'll sell it. Who gives a shit? You know, he's fully. Let's unemploy some people. Right. Like he's. You can take the staff with you. I guess so. Yeah. To a townhome. Yeah. Basically. What do you think the garden level unit of any like fucking Greystone is, Lizzie? That's the servants quarters. I suppose. That's like what it was there for. It was for the help. Just seems excessive to me. In, but anyway. in true reductive uh, <laughs> female character writing of the time, which is you know, this episode is written by a woman, so it just just goes to show you that this was a kind of institutional indifference to the character that they were just like, ah, fuck it, you know, who gives a shit? Uh, Kem is just like immediately on board, raises no objections whatsoever, and it's just like, I love it, I love the idea, and it's like you haven't even been inside this house, you don't know, like, are the do the pipes leak? Is there lead paint? You don't know. There could be like a gang of weasels running the whole show. Like you don't know. I'm picturing there could be squatters. I'm picturing Those are Sam. Very hard to get rid of in this city. I'm picturing Sam Rockwell's character in Galaxy Quest. He's like, is there air? You don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like I'm just like, come on, woman. We know you have preferences. Just now. Now I just need an outtake of Carter. Just put. Uh, uh, putting his head through the uh, into the opening the door and just putting his head and sniffing and be like seems, smells okay, seems okay. <laughs> See? Uh. i just get so mad because i'm like because i'm a poor in relation to this i'm like i can't imagine just being like yeah that's fine yeah no i mean we uh, well i guess we haven't talked about that i've definitely talked about this on mic before jake and i did a fucking tbc episode about not about this specifically, but it came up. Is it about uh, people in the walls? No, it will. That's, <laughs> that is always a concern. Uh, no, it was it, like when uh, what's his nuts on the office? Jim Halpert, like when he fucking buys his uh, parents' house and basically is just like, hey, by the way, wife, uh, I bought this whole ass house without consulting you. And now uh. like and it's presented as this grand romantic gesture and you know like as is this and it's like stop buying houses without consulting your significant other like maybe hey don't. lizzie 
I promise I'm never going to buy a house without checking with you first. Oh, you better not. Oh, only because I know you and I have such differing uh, aesthetic opinions that <laughs> we would need to we would need to discuss before. Well, the you value certain things that I do not. The fun yep. the fun thing about uh, the intervening 20 years between this episode and now is that this is uh, literally impossible because a single person cannot afford a home in this country. So, like um, you unless you're Carter Rich. You can't just go and buy a house. That's not a thing. Like you you need a <laughs> Why do you think polyamory is on the rise? You need a minimum of 4 people to afford a gotta house. Got to have a commune. See that's, that's get it. I get it. I literally have that scenario playing out in my office, by the way. I have a coworker who is polyamorous and has just like a Pokemon trainer has collected enough partners that she's now starting to house shop. Like, <laughs> it has, it has reached that point. Love wins again. <laughs> this is how we beat capitalism with extended chosen families with love uh, and eating the rich, but mostly love. <laughs> Uh, let's go back to let's go back to reality in the ER. Uh, Abby's on the phone trying to find out where Kathy's daughter is. Morris mentions uh, Morris just being God. a and having no tact whatsoever. Mentions, oh yeah, there were two fatalities at the scene, right in front of, course, of Kathy. Of course, Kathy jumps up to look in the other trauma room and screams for her son Ethan because you know she's trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Uh, and she sees <laughs> Carrie screwing in the anchors to stabilize the kid's neck. And she's like, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. I mean, it, she's having a normal reaction. For not being braced with right. what's happening to her son, of course she's horrified. Yeah, exactly. So, thanks, Morris. You're an asshole. Lay off the weed, my man. Uh, Luca tells her what's going on with her husband, and she begs Sam to tell her what's going what's going on with the thing on his head, and she's just said. very quietly... Yeah, she's very quietly ass... Uh, who's gonna die first? Nice. Oof. That's real. This is this whole episode. Just oof. Um, Happy Land. That's where we're at. Oh no! Happy Land continues because that's where Kem and Carter are about to go. They check. They go into Ooh. a hotel. Turns out this is where Carter's grandparents and his parents got married. And she's like, "Oh, is that is that a proposal?" And he's like, "If you want it to be." And she's like, "Oh well, you know, we should get a room or something." He goes, "I already got one because breakfast in bed didn't work, so let's do lunch." Like, when did you have time to rent this hotel, Carter? Not hotel. Hotel room. I mean, he could have rented the hotel. But, like, when did, probably you, when did you do this, sir? Uh, then we go back to Abby is on the phone on the hunt for Kathy's daughter still. Uh, Layla and Sam have a chat. Layla says she's feeling okay now. She asks Sam if she can still have sex. And uh, Sam says, oh, you know, you should probably wait a little bit. Um, if he really loves you, he'll understand. And... She's Layla says something equally uh, inappropriate, and Sam goes on to say, "Sometimes you can love someone and not realize that they're hurting you." Mm-hmm. And she, this is when Layla opens up and says she doesn't know if Dean hurt her last night. They went for a drive with his friends, and poor Layla, this actress does such a good job with the revelation and like the reveal that she does here, and she says. Uh, They went for a drive with his friends, and she says sometimes he likes to let them watch Mm -mm. because I'm beautiful, and he thinks I'm sexy. He wants to show me off. Yeah, and Sam says, do they ever do more than watch? And that's where Layla just absolutely breaks. And Sam slash Linda Cardellini does such a good job with this moment. This storyline is horrifying. So horrifying, Horrifying. Lauren can't even get the word out. 
<laughs> this storyline is horrifying, but I think it's one of those that does a really good job making us connect with Sam more in a way we haven't really gotten to too much yet. Yeah, other so. uh, to make her realize she's the new Carol. Other yeah. other than the last two minutes of this episode, this is actually a pretty good, pretty solid yeah. Sam episode in my opinion. <laughs> other than the last uh, two minutes. We'll get there. Uh, then uh, Abby comes in and interrupts, asking Sam for more information on Kathy's family. Uh, they're working on Ethan when Miguel comes in screaming for his pills. We go back to the hotel room. Uh, Carter comes back to bet in a robe, all showered and like cozy. And they start talking about their su- their soon-to-be son. And Kem says, I hope he has your nose. She thinks he's going to be cute. And she says, you know what frightens me most? That I could get used to all of this. And it's like, yes, it should frighten you. Based off what two episodes in the writer's room has done to you being around <laughs> Carter's money, you should be afraid. Because you're already completely lost all your agency being surrounded by this money. Uh, like, the writers have already done you dirty. Is that it? Is that the line? Is that the line that they always trot out to try to make it seem like she's a gold digger? Like, which, by the way, is a characterization that is A, wrong, and B, I disagree with. Uh, yes, I put the factually incorrect yeah, part. How, how is she a gold digger when Carter bought her a house without her knowing? Like, how is that her fault? I, I'm yeah, just saying. Something she, something she never asked for. But yes, yeah, so I, and I, even if, even if that is the line, she's saying she's horrified of it. Not that she wants it. She's saying, but she, this is a quality of life I shouldn't get used to based yeah. off my work. Like, uh... But then Car- she realizes that's unethical. Yep. But Carter goes on to say he's not going to give their son the life he ran away from. But you just bought him a fucking mansion. But <laughs> right. Okay, carry on. Well, carry you know, on. a mansion is technically a downgrade from a castle. So that is true. Like that is true. it's baby steps. You know, this is baby steps. this is trickle down white privilege. <laughs> like we're we're, <laughs> we're downsizing. We're working our way down the scale. Joshua gets uh, trickle down mixed race privilege. Hey. Oh. <laughs> Oh yeah, that is uh, that is another really creepy thing they say here. Is they're like, oh yeah, you know, Carter mentioned something about genetic diversity, and Kem's like, yeah, we should make sure he marries like an Asian girl. Wait, what? Did I black yeah, out? Did you? Yeah, you totally missed this. Yeah, Cart, because uh, they're talking about how cute he's gonna be, and Carter's like, well, yeah, you know, they say genetic diversity is a good thing, and Kem says something, and it's not quite that blunt, but she's like, oh, we should make sure he dates or marries like some someone, and like he uses she uses something and an Asian. As Full, like the two examples. Like a Latino and or an Asian yeah. or something. So she totally is like, no, we should breed our kid with an Asian how did How did we go from, I hope he has your nose, to mild eugenics in in two moves? Like I don't know, but Lizzie, thank you for confirming I'm not crazy, and that was in that episode. Six degrees, instead of six degrees is ke- from Kevin Bacon, six degrees from eugenics, I, and Carter is good always God. two degrees I, I should point out, or I should admit, that uh, I both watched this episode at four in the morning. That's true. Uh, and on one and a quarter speed. <laughs> so this was <laughs> this was very much uh, the chaos of one of our early episodes where you watched it after Bimmy woke you up at three a.m. eating your toes. Yeah, this was uh, instead this time it was it was my <laughs> shithead neighbor waking me up at four in the morning and mm. I couldn't go back I'm to sleep. Telling you, stationary. I you did, just say the word. So I I and I was just desperate to just get this over with, and so I was like watching this episode at one one point two five x speed. And uh, I must have just completely blew right past the mild eugenics talk because that's what you have us for. Completely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Ethan has a good femoral pulse and Halei brings Sam Layla's results. And it turns out Layla is pregnant because Shit. this storyline needed to get worse. Uh, Sam goes and tells her, and she's like, Oh my God, 
Yay. Uh, uh, so I was on the, on the pill for a while, but it made me fat, and she freaks out with ex- excitement and goes to call Dean. Great. Wonderful. Love to see it. And we go from there to Pratt asking why Mr. Riva still hasn't been discharged yet. Is this is, – that's not the uh, the knee guy. This is knee, guy. knee guy. This is it knee, is guy. knee guy. Miguel. Oh, okay. Uh, and then uh, we see Mr. Loomer standing in the hall watching the trauma room, uh, and sh- Abby. Abby tells uh, tells him I that think. he was the he was the one who crashed into the family. Uh, no, actually, I think this is it's Sam. Sam. Maybe I think it is Sam. I think you're right. It's Sam. Yeah, it is Sam. My bad. Uh, and when she informs him of this, he immediately faints and goes into VTAC. So they have to uh, have to get the paddles and do the whole rigmarole on him. Uh, Abby, uh, we see Abby finally getting info on Kathy's little girl. We find out that she's at Mercy and she's alive. Uh, but Abby is uh, pushing for a transfer so that they can be reunited here. More on that in a bit. Uh, we find out Mr. Rivas's labs have come back. Abby goes to show Pratt his. Turns out his knee effusion was from TB. Ooh. Not from falling off a ladder, like he said. Right. Not from falling off a ladder. And uh, he's coughing all over the ER. Uh, and he gets off of a super crowded elevator with a baby Ugh. and some old people. So that yeah, elevator yeah. shot made me die inside after having we gone through a, COVID. We love a good super spreader event, don't we, kids? Oof. No. Oof. Uh, Sam calls Alex and says, "You know, oh, you don't have to go to sleepover, but has a fun moment about how she has no idea how he would check the message because she, she, she never taught him how home. to. No, she never taught him how to call to check their machine. Ah, uh, yeah." Uh, and overhears Dean and Layla arguing and runs in. He said he's screams that they aren't keeping the baby. Uh, De- and Sam goes to call the cops, but uh, when she, as she does, Dean follows her out and grabs Sam by the wrist, row row, uh, and says, "Oh, it's like she's just a stupid little slut." Like this guy and- is the ugliest man they could have possibly <laughs> cast. Is. By the way, and Sam. No, the, and then the most beautiful thing in this entire season so far happens, and Sam just fucking, like, palm punches up on this guy's nose and knocks him on his ass. And it's this guy, they hired him to have the most punchable fucking face, because right. I look at him and I immediately hate him. He And the pan, the camera goes over to HR guy and, and Luca as they're started staring at each other, and Luca's face, he has never been more moist. <laughs> He has never been been more horny for a woman than he is right now. The little look he gives the the HR guy is, it's quite good. The best. It is quite good. Like, listeners, those of you on the Discord, if any of you have a gif of this, please. Yeah. Um, That man will never be as horny as as he is in this moment right now. Ever again. I actually, the minute we saw that, I almost texted Daniel. I was like, hey, we found you, Daniel. (laughs) Oh, good lord. Uh... This the the going back to the dude the scumbag Dean um, yeah he of course his name's Dean right it's great great shithead name uh that's the that's the only thing I've learned about Gilmore Girls uh through twenty years yep. twenty years of friendship with Jake and and half listening to you and him talk about it in the group chat is that's is enough that we don't like Dean I don't know who Dean is I don't know why we don't like him but we don't like him that's all you need to know we don't like him but this guy like you said uh is a unique kind of ugly like he looks like bigfoot fucked a surfer like it is <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's such a like 
It's such a specific kind of ugly. It's no, that's you couldn't have put it better. That's exactly it. He, I mean, and that, that's the whole point of the character is that you're supposed to hate him because he's a scumbag. Uh, he's he's surf squatch, <laughs> surf squatch, and the other guy that he's arguing with, presumably one of the other like you know gangbangers, gangbangers. Yeah, uh, he looks like a guy who would die in a Friday the Thirteenth movie from the early two thousands yep. without yep. any dialogue. Like he he wasn't good not- enough to get dialogue. <clears throat> also, the fact that he's fucking stupid enough in the middle of the hospital to say what she talked. Yeah, these two are just idiot. Just this is this that is the face when he's grabbing Sam's wrist and calling Layla a slut. That uh, is the face of a man who has never been told no in his life. That's exactly it. Accepted a modeling job. <laughs> <laughs> it took me because yes. he's ugly. Um, so with that being said, uh, Mr. Rivas is still screaming about when he's getting released. Uh, Frank starts sneezing, and he hasn't gotten any messages from Alex. I wanted to note, I noted the sneezing because I was horrified Frank was going to be sick. Uh, Miguel stopped taking his TB pills when he started feeling better, just like a lot of other patients do, not finishing the full course of medicine. Uh, what's HR guy's name? Uh, Arnie. Al. Arnie. Uh, Sam chases Arnie down in the hall, and he runs away from her. <laughs> <laughs> which is so good. He's like, I'll, I'll, I'll get you later. I gotta go. Uh, Carrie tells Sam that they're upstairs. They're asking for her dismissal. And she says, it's clear to everyone that you have an impulse control program. Hey, and hey, hey. Or problem. Says, hey, it's the episode. the name of the episode. And she wins the episode. Sam defends herself with some argument. And Carrie's like, that somehow I feel like that's not the first time you've used that. Like, just calls her out. She's like, no, you've, you've never been fired because you've left before any jobs can fire you. Like... You got a disciplinary problem. Um, and as this conversation's going on, we see Layla and Dean leaving together. Oh, no. Yes, Lizzie? The actor who plays uh, Dean, this is one of this is his second and final <laughs> appearance in anything. I have to believe he was, like, somebody's friend, like somebody's nephew or something yeah. that, that John Levy did a favor for. Because, <laughs> like... His name is Coburn Hartzell. Oh! Great name. A tier name, frying pan of a face, but great t- A tier name. No, yeah. that's that's and unfortunate. He, he before this, his only other credit was in an episode of a series called Less Than Perfect. <laughs> oh, how apt was it? An autobiography? <laughs> I don't know. And he plays, and he played himself <laughs> in a TV series called Cruise with a Cause. Oh boy, I don't. Oh, I'm sorry. That's just. I'm glad I'm glad I have the lights off in the kitchen right now, so you guys can't see my fucking face. Oh my god! Uh, Carter and Kemmer are in the car, and he's talking about oh how much warmer it is in the summer, and what there's you can see the sailboats on the lake, and oh my god, I can't believe I love you so much. Um, Cam says she oh I can't, but I can't live here because her work is so important. Okay, I mean, she's actually but like this is her waking is. up a little bit here to like the doe-eyed thing we've seen over the last episode. At least here she's like no, I gotta go. Right. Yeah, and they're headed to the and, airport. And not to mention, he's being emotionally manipulative here. Like, yeah, he's oh, he very much, and is. it only gets worse the rest of the the rest of the way. But like, she is she's she made her boundaries relatively clear 
from the get-go even before they left Africa she's like I'll come and visit like I'll come see where you're but I have no intention and no interest in living I'm even cool with having our child be born there so that he has like maximum you know flexibility and like has options citizenship yeah but like by under no circumstances do am I planning on going there to live permanently there and then as soon as they get there he starts in with like well i bought a house and what if we just live here forever right and like it's just like motherfucker like she told you from the get-go hey i don't really want to live there to be fair summers here are amazing great are they though great the others they're too hot you're too hot thank you i am in the summer the other six months of the year it's a fucking hellscape like it's (laughs) it's great no i'm i'm loving it right now frozen hellscape Speak, speaking to you live from my personal frozen hellscape, you know, it's we can smell our own. Uh, but we then go back to uh, the ER where Miguel and Abby are talking about his TB, and she's trying to explain to him uh, why he has to keep taking the drugs, and he goes to take his mask off and goes to leave. Uh, more clairvoyant writing from the 2004 writers. Uh uh, Frank gets a call about Kathy's little girl. They have a security tackle Miguel to the ground as he tries to leave. And HR guy just continues to be horrified at the general state of the county ER. And then we go back to our back to our star-crossed lovers Stop. in the airport. In the middle of the security line entrance, making everyone go around them, you pricks. <laughs> uh, they love... Ha- <coughs> oh, excuse me. They're having the I don't want to go, I don't want you to go kind of speech. And as she leaves, she says, we love you. As she touches her belly. Oh, <laughs> anyway, uh, you can tell Lizzie and I were having none of this. Um, and then still aren't still aren't. Luca is then talking to Mr. Loomer, the heart condition that caused him to crash or he had backing up let me read this the way i wrote it because i wrote it that way for a reason the heart condition caused him to crash but the crash saved his life and jolted his heart back into rhythm so the car accident saved his life okay what the fuck okay just like good for him but sucks for everybody else because he had a hummer um do be like that sometimes uh but ethan is down flatline he's had no oxygen for almost an hour and kathy says but it's still beeping of course, you know, electrical activity takes time to delay, which they tell her. And Carrie says she'll go find out about the daughter. And we see Carter walks walking out of the airport only to run right back in. That fucking shit. Yeah. I'm. Oh, my God. I get so mad. It's so mad. This whole next sequence. It's so fucking dumb. Like, it is so fucking dumb. And it, like I have it, it, again, I want to stress that this is not a reflection of it, it, actually, it's it's so telling how the 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 consensus opinion of this relationship, all the shit for it, ultimately gets laid at Kev's feet. When it's not her, right? It's a it's a lack of emotional maturity on this dumb man baby's fucking part. That like <laughs> he like he says himself like she's going home for a couple of weeks to like do her shit, and then eventually she'll be back. Like. And this is not just a stupid thing in this relationship. This is a stupid thing in all relationships. It's dumb. Like, it just is. Like, I just, uh, it always bugs me. It always bugs me when couples don't have the emotional maturity for separation. Like, if you have to be separated for any length of time, just shut the fuck up. That's, just shut the fuck up and do it. Like, it's. Whereas, I'm a psychopath and I'm like, yes, Lizzie, leave the state. 
Like, get out. Leave the, st- leave the state for two like, weeks. Go, 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 like back, go hang out with I'll see Fred. Your face on the, I'm good. I'll see your face back in video when, chat. It's fine. No, you, not even that. It's back fine. When we were, Don't talk Back to when me. Jen and I were moving to Alaska, like uprooting our entire lives and moving literally thousands and thousands of miles away from everybody we knew. Like we drove across country to, uh, to get up there. Like we were on the road for like two plus weeks, found a place to live, did the whole thing. And then I had to turn around and come back and go to work for like another two months before uh, I could finish up my job and join her there. And like, it was, you just did it. Like, it was just a thing. Like I didn't, you know what didn't happen? We didn't go running through the fucking airport and like make asses out of ourselves and like ruin everybody else's day. Like it was just, you just do it. Like, Oh my God. It was just not, you basically, you weren't the main character of everybody else's story. Nauseating this whole sequence. Nauseating. Well, it has, some good music though, so that's why I'm gonna leave. Even though parts of it, a lot of a good chunk of it is more visual, we haven't had a good. Hi, Martin. How are you doing? Episode. <laughs> so, uh, even if it's sappy as fuck, we're gonna listen in. Uh, Mr. Loomer's talking about his first heart attack, and it overlaps with Kathy talking about her life with her and the family. And as this is going on, uh, there's we see more silent shots of Carter running through the airport as well. So. Listening. I thought my life was over after my my first heart attack. I couldn't work. I couldn't walk upstairs. I, I couldn't have sex. I felt, felt like I was dead. Never thought I'd get married and have two kids. I wasn't the type. I always thought that stuff would mean life was over. I got pregnant. Paul was so excited. He was always more excited about everything. I thought my wife was gonna leave me. You know, I mean, I, I, I thought she should, but she didn't. She, she made me get out of bed in the morning. I'll take any seat. I just need to get to the gate. Sorry, Amsterdam's completely sold out. Another flight. Anything. I have a first class to Tokyo. It's $9,000. That car cost $110,000. But she didn't care. She said, Gus, you, you spoil yourself. You deserve it. So that's what I did. I went out, bought myself my dream car, took it for a drive. Been having these dreams, fantasies. Stretching out alone at night, you know, reading a book. Now I can. Did I make this happen? Why? Why should I be the lucky one? Why should I be spared? No one knows why these things happen. You have to believe there is a reason. You're still here. Late start this morning. Ethan wanted ice cream. He always wants these crazy things. Today I said, okay. Can you imagine ice cream in winter?
she's in here. John? I have emerged out of the shadow realm to raise my hand. Before we get into actually how beautiful that was, I just lost my shit when she says, can you imagine ice cream in winter and the little like sprinkle tinkles noise plays over it in the music? Like there's this very little dainty like tinkle noise and i was like are you kidding me martin you're better than this sprinkle tinkles that's uh sprinkle tinkle crinkle tinkles it's a it's never mind it's i'm not even gonna go into it but yes either way the little audio magical cue as she says and i was like are you fucking kidding me martin we're better than this (laughs) yeah that's so the music i love martin i love martin's music i love this music I don't love the pairing. <laughs> like I like yeah. it's it's a yeah. little over the top and it's a little melodramatic and it's a little on the nose. Like you know, especially Kem yelling for John at the end. It's like right. are you fucking getting me get on the It plane. is a little bit soap opera y. Like it even sounds like a theme to a soap opera. Also, 9 grand just so you can go tell your baby mama don't, don't leave. leave. Right. Eat the rich. She's she's fucking coming also, back. Right. Shut up. Also, that man was absolutely getting money, getting money out of Carter's this pocket. I'm sure there was a cheaper ticket somewhere. I, he should have been, but he if, if, been, in that terminal, he should have been put on a. That's true. He's at the international. He should have been put on yeah. a fucking list because it's two. It's yeah. 2004. He's openly admitting that he doesn't want to get on a plane. Like he's like, I just, I just need to get to the gate. <laughs> Okay, yeah, sure. I'd be like, yeah, sure. Money's money's not a problem. I just need to right. get to the on gate. On the one hand, I'm going to be like, oh, sure, that, absolutely, sir. That'll be $9,000. And then underneath the desk, I'm like, fucking <laughs> air marshals, this guy right here, the one with the God complex but, and the, like, but he's freshly white. shaven beard. But he's white. Still, still. And rich. Yeah. Uh, that that was that was my main <sighs> takeaway from that whole thing. Eat the rich because if you have nine grand to drop on uh, uh one to not even go to not anywhere. even go anywhere just so you can tell your uh fucking soon to be baby mama that you don't want her to leave, fuck all of it. Like just, just get uh, especially since we find out in literal minutes that she still didn't get on the like she still got on the plane anyway and left as scheduled. Like so this was all just a big empty gesture. Just jerk off, right? And that's right. If there was possible, if it was possible to title an episode as the jerk off gesture, like that, like if we could just, <laughs> that'd be. It's just, it's just, just felt like giving. He just felt like giving a uh, major airline company uh, nine thousand dollars, a nine thousand dollar donation. Like, yeah, he's just he's just giving to charity. I don't see what's pro- just, what the problem is here. I, I can't. I cannot. Uh, I mean. Eat the rich includes Carter here. Folks. <laughs> it always does. It always does. Uh, sometimes first, uh, but <laughs> um, I will say though, I, there is. 
I just fucking had no. I just fucking had fucking the image just like people like move in to start to like to like it's like a mob moves in. And he just he just yells at everyone. Is this about that rapist? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's there's webcomic potential there. Somebody call Angela. Um, no, she no. She's planning a wedding. <laughs> Leave her alone. Busy. No time for shit posts. Um, yeah, no. I mean, uh, I guess nominal effort and nominal points for trying to tie all of the storylines uh, rooted in both children and or pregnancy together, you know, and like trying to trying to pull some sort of like depth and meaning out of this this whole mess. Uh, I mean, it was just a good J.K. Simmons monologue. Yeah, yeah. Love a good like JK the Simmons two monologue. the two actual patients are great. We didn't need the fucking Carter stuff at all. The two of them was powerful enough. Like, leave it alone. We don't need Carter and Kem in this. Yeah, it was, it, like I said, points for trying. Uh, but yeah, uh, but we then we then go over to what I I in my opinion is legitimately I, uh, the best episode of the whole uh, or the best scene of the whole episode. Like I'm, yes. I'm 100% uh, on board for this. Uh, we go over to uh, the convenience store where Abby is getting some food and coffee. I feel so bad for the clerk as she's like dictating these very complicated orders because she's trying to get food for Susan, who can, who can only who eat can, two who things, can only eat certain things without puking. Um, but yeah, so uh, while they're waiting for the food to get made, Sam is. Uh, sitting at the counter and they she offers to you know have coffee with her and they sit down and have a little chat here they have this little like heart-to-heart talk and sam talks about why she ended up still having alex in spite of everything and that you know this is all centering around abortion and she couldn't afford uh just there's there's all these all this shared experience here and then we find out matter of factly abby kind of drops that she has had an abortion and like I saw some mixed opinions to this scene or like mixed uh, mixed reviews to this scene of like some people really liked it and some people really found a lot of like emotional uh, depth to it and, and like it, it meant something for both of these characters and then other people thought it was kind of a wasted moment on Sam like that they wasted this big moment or this big revelation from Abby on Sam which I disagree with I think this is I think this is good for both of these characters, you know, and I, th- I think it, it adds a, a layer of character depth to both of them. And, you know, I just I just like the unspokenness of it all that that like Abby sees this opportunity to connect with Sam and to, you know, bond with her over this tr- shared traumatic experience. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just I really enjoy this scene. I think it's the MVP of the whole. Ep- I think it's a big part of what whatever whatever you think of this episode this scene i think is a big part of what props it up yes i was like i really a i love how abby delivers the line and that nobody makes a big deal out of it sam just kind of registers it and understands mm-hmm. and i like that it's used on sam because again it's an organic moment right it's not like abby's planning to have this big confession it's an organic right. moment to garner a moment of like empathy in between it, these in, two it's not like it's not like she's going to tell luca because he needs to know she had an abortion when she was 16 it's hey i've been there too right. in a in a episode like, filled with dramatic cliches it was nice to have a moment like you said that was purely organic sincere sincere organic like didn't feel forced didn't feel like it was done purely for the drama 
but was done just as this human moment between two people at work. And that's something that I feel like has sort of shifted over the years and has been lost a little bit Mm -hmm. is that in the chase, and I'm sure that a lot of that had to do with shifting landscapes and, and the ratings uh, audiences, the uh, ratings audiences declining, and and more options coming available, and like there's just you know it's more competition than there was when they started. But I do feel like at some point over the years they started to lose some of that human element of things, and in service of catching eyeballs via drama, of like yeah. oh hey did you see this big crazy thing that happened this week or this big shocking revelation? And it was like no this is just we- organic human moment. <laughs> We get a real fun, hey, crazy thing in two weeks, and I'm very excited for it. I was looking ahead at plot synopses, and I'm so excited. It's, uh, it, it is... No more naive cam. It's sweep season. No, not uh, that. It's sweep <laughs> season, so we'll be there soon enough. Uh, but yeah, just good scene, like I said. MVP of the whole episode, in my opinion. Uh, but we then see Luca catching Sam outside, and he tells her about his kids. Also, another scene that I feel like is handled very well in terms of like, yeah, there's no like, oh my god, he had kids, and blah, 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 blah. like they kind of it was just like, oh cool, right. they do they do a fair amount of showing, not telling with these two scenes, yeah. and that's that's the good stuff. Like, don't don't fucking spell it out for me. I'm not a toddler. Like, just like give me a little bit of credit watching this. At at one point two five speed at four in the morning, uh, but uh, then we then see Abby having paperwork for Miguel to sign about consent for TB treatment, and Pratt threatens oh. him with deportation if he's not compliant. Did you mention Layla grabs Sam while they're no, out there? I, sure I don't didn't. think uh, Layla is outside and uh, approaches Sam. Cool. Sorry. Any really anything matter, to close but... the book on that storyline? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but. Carrie's yelling about Carter not being in yet, and the HR guy asks for five minutes of Carrie's attention, and she just turns uh, turns to him, and he says, oh, this place is a fucking disaster. He says, you have a bunch of lunatics on your staff, and Carrie, not so politely, basically tells him to fuck off. Yeah, she's like, so sue me. Again, they work. They get their jobs done. Okay, bye. <laughs> like, just fuck off. Um, but then Carter comes in, Carrie's in the lounge, and tells him he's late. He says that Kem went back to kissing Ghani, and he hopes she'll only be gone a couple of weeks. And Carrie sits down to show him new pictures of Henry, and it's so sweet, and I love this. And it's like, oh yeah, remember uh, Carrie just had a kid? Well, they just had, you know yeah. what I mean? She is now a happy mommy. Uh, and then, here we go, guys. Are we ready for this? Are <laughs> we ready? We gave this come to me. the pretzels. Here's, here's our licensed music for the episode. Uh, Sam walks into her apartment as Dido's White Flag is playing. And I unironically love this song. And I'll admit it. And it's fine. It's a good song. It's, just it's not when so catchy. Let me tell you. So. Let me tell you. Yeah. You have not lived until you have watched this scene on 1.25 speed. Like, <laughs> watch. Okay. Watch. The, if you, if you have Max. the ability, if you have the means, I highly yes. recommend rewatch this scene, but do it. Go for, go for the gusto. Go for one and a half. Let's see how, let's see how much better it can get. So either way, with that being said, that's our licensed music in the background is White Flag. And at first it's Sam sitting alone on her couch and then she kind of turns the TV on, turns it off, deep in thought. She's clearly thinking about, mm, what do I want to do? I guess I'll go get some dick. <laughs> then we see Luca at his place washing dishes. There's a knock at the door. And uh, Sam is there asking if he's had dinner yet, if he's eaten. And I just put, well, something's getting eaten. And uh, they, uh, 
he goes to get his coat. Sam's right there. They end up making out. And next thing we know, they're having just full-blown sex. And it's it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, yeah, this did air prime time. Like, they, it's just straight up like he's on top of her. Cool. Yep. Okay. And that's how we end the episode It's just them fucking. <laughs> we get Linda Cardellini's face, uh, Gron's back, and that's it. That's how we end as White Flag plays in the background. I w- Weird song to fuck. I to. was I, I I read in one of I don't know if it was in a listener response or just a comment or what, but I read I think it was Jen T mentioned that uh, story goes that apparently uh, Linda Carlini was wearing uh, pasties in this scene uh, that had smiley faces on them uh, because because <laughs> Maura Tierney told her that Goran Vishnik got nervous during sex scenes, and so t- so, so, to, so to fuck with him. <laughs> She she wore pasties with smiley faces on them, uh, which I think is just a cute little cute little anecdote for a scene that even at one point two five speed was excruciatingly long and when I just wanted to be over with. Yeah, uh, It's not even it's not even that I find I that I mean that's the, still, the, the, I don't even find the pairing to be that bad. I'm mean, sure I will over time. It's just it's not there yet. Um, but I think it. I think what I don't like is is the this combined with the Carter Kemp stuff in this episode. How much it represents, not to put too fine a point on it, but the tone shifting. Like it 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 feel it <laughs> does feel like we are now enter we are rounding that corner and entering into the more soap opera ishness of latter day ER. Like yeah. we're rounding that corner where it's gonna be all of these breathy scenes between pretty people and just like oh, I love you so much, man, man, licensed music, licensed music. I mean, like it's just you know, Grey's Anatomy's right around the fucking corner, gang. It literally it is like right next around month. the corner. So like somebody got a memo and was like, we gotta steam this up because you know fucking Patrick Dempsey's gonna be fucking on on ABC in like two months. So we gotta we gotta get this going. And that's the that those those are the things about it's not the the cast changes or you know the fact that the original group is gone and none of that stuff is the stuff that really bothers me about Latter Day ER. The cast is fine. It's just that they they shifted more towards this kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. I hate kind of watching it happen in real time. That's the part that bums me out. Cool. Yeah. Honest. Honestly, six out of ten episode. Yeah, it's kind of a mess. It, it's I'm, really ups- it's really upsetting in ter- like in terms of like content. Like, J.K. Simmons is yeah. great. That whole storyline is I have no I have no issue with. But just oh my god, everything with Carter and Ken makes me want to have nails for breakfast. Yeah. They're they're, like, they're and tax for they're snacks. At, they're exactly at peak insufferableness, and uh, like I said, the J.K. Simmons and the scene with Abby and Sam at the the convenience store. That is, those are the two like flimsy little pillars that is holding up the pier <laughs> that is this episode. Like, uh, I will also throw out uh, Morris choking on a French fry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if that, but if that's what it. you're, if that's what you're hanging your hat on, it's it. I'm it's just a, saying it's, it's a bad day at the office if that's what you're hanging your hat. Wait, on. that puts it up to the six point five for yeah. me. Six <laughs> somewhere between six and six point five, I think is fair. It, uh, yeah. I want to like it more just because I, I like. You know J.K. Simmons. I'd, I would hate to think his his lone appearance on this show goes to waste. Um, kind of does. Kind of does a little bit. You know, and, and I think. But at I least, it, and I, I'm not inherently against trauma porn episodes when done 
well and when done correctly and more most importantly when they have something to say it didn't really it didn't yeah. really feel like this episode had that much to say and was really just being like hey this shit sucks and here's jk simmons it's hey fellas did you know that sexual assault is bad? yeah like like i said there was that 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 unshakable feeling that we had just we'd been here done that we had done this storyline before with a female nurse as the kind of centerpiece and it didn't feel like we needed yeah. to do it again so eh, yeah it, it's a it's a bit of a weak one what the listeners have to say about it though lauren uh at simply swooning says gang rape a risk assessment stickler an mva with multiple casualties carter and kem acting out every lifetime movie cliche in a day and sam and luca <laughs> embarking on a master class in futility oh goody were it not for the tragic heartbreaking car wreck this would be almost unwatchable as alex's existence will attest to children are not a reason to get or stay together but i digress Abby is the MVP of this episode again, and if they could have stopped Sam and Luca right here, that would have been fine. Like, hook up and let it go, uh, which was obviously Sam's idea. But more on that later. The scene would have been perfectly acceptable and not a complete waste of an excellent song if it was the end of a saga and not only the beginning. At username 11 says, All right, I've been waiting on this one because it has the low-key one of the best scenes of the entire series. Hear me out. Abby and Sam at the Jumbo Mart talking about their respective experiences at Planned Parenthood. I love it for everything it is and just as much for everything it isn't. You have two characters having a conversation about a very sensitive and personal matter and then going about their lives. There is no score or dramatic flair and neither character is being judged by the writing for her choice. It's simply a moment of solidarity between two women who each found themselves in a similar situation and went down different paths. And then it's done. It's a really nice moment that doesn't try to announce that it's a really nice moment. I can't help but think about how a scene like this, as apolitical as it is, would be received today. It makes me happy that this one has managed to breathe in relative obscurity for going on 20 years. Uh, at Gen T says, Okay, so, I actually loved the Carter Chem storyline. She's so fucking cute, and she makes Carter, what, lighter? Something like that? Jen, you're better than this. Sam was amazing with the, with the rape patient. I know how, I know I generally hate Sam, but she does have great moments, occasionally. I see a lot of love for the Abby and Sam scene. While I agree it's awesome and helpful, I've never understood why Abby shared that with Sam of all people. She obviously told Luca, confirmed in season 12, but why would she share that with a casual work friend? She never told her besties Neela and Susan, but she tells Sam? What to, the fuck? To, editorial <laughs> yeah. note here. Hold on. Editorial note. We don't know that she never tells Neela and Susan. Well, and editor and editorial to, note. Editorial sub-note. Like, yes. uh... It, it would be weird to just bring up in casual conversation with your friends like, oh, man, did you see the game last night? Oh, how was the weather out there today? Great. Hey, I had an abortion once. Like, that's weird to just bring that up out of nowhere. But there's like some shared, uh, you know, experience here. And like she could kind of tell that like Sam was going through some shit because of this patient and like and yeah. her own life. And so she chose that moment to divulge this very personal, very emotional detail from her past. And but like the previous uh, responder said, like she did it in uh, such a way that it wasn't this like grandstanding, like hey, I did this thing, I should give me a give it me was a medal. Like, hey, been there, been there, totally get what you're dealing with, totally get what you're up against, and like it's you know, like no, I thought it was great. I I, I didn't think it was wasted at all. All right, and we're carrying on with Jen's note. Sam kicking the rapist boyfriend's ass was nice. Sorry, Carrie, but Luca and Sam, ugh. 
Gross. Play Dido. I love seeing her on half naked, but this isn't it. I'm sorry, she said naked. Love seeing half naked, but this isn't it. Uh, let me see. This is a last but not least. Last but certainly not least, at the full-time dad says, A few episodes ago, we had an episode with a bunch of blah stories that you couldn't care less about. In impulse control, you're bombarded by a number of very compelling stories. Too many, says this observer. The TB patient, the MVA, and the trigger warning gang rape patient would all be main patients in their own episodes. Here, they are oddly juxtaposed and compete for your attention with an out-of-the-hospital story through story with Carter and Kem that feels for the most part out of place and a comedic beat with the HR consultant that fit just slightly better. The family MVA feels way too similar to season nine's first snowfall with the exception that the perpetrator is much more likable. JK Simmons always brings in no matter the role. Uh, Martin Davich almost makes the cacophony work with his sweeping score that ties the mother Simmons and Carter and Kem's goodbye together in a beautiful sequence. And as at username 11 eloquently highlighted the quiet conversation between Sam and Abby at jumbo Mart gives us some very simple yet powerful moment of camaraderie. But then we pitch it all the way, all the way with the most Melrose place 90210 romantic scene the show has produced to date. That scene feels like everything the show has tried to avoid to date. Aaron, as always, perfect way to end for us. All right, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast, where for the low price of only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. And over 75 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a freeform monthly bonus show called The Lounge, movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and character retrospectives where we reflect on departed main cast members. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, and we are at Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also be sure to check out the official Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel Worker. Folks, find you at. They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is y-o-u.e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren can be found in the Shadow Realm. Yeah, yeah. Anything? I'm I'm on our Discord, but like I'm I'm go. currently on my uh, social media hiatus, so I am not anywhere at the moment. And I'm not really posting anywhere right now. So I will just say thank you all very much for listening again. And please join us again next time. And have a great week. Bye.